Let's just come before our God. Lord, thank you for this time of worship this morning. Thank you that we can come and sing of the strong name of Jesus Christ and that in you is the power to save. Thank you that we can bring our prayers, which we know from your word, go up to that throne in the temple and from there you answer the prayers of the saints. Thank you that we can come now too to your word, your breathed out word to us. And Lord, as we open the pages of this book, may your spirit open our hearts. May you open our minds. May you push away our prejudice. May we hear what you have to say through your word. We pray. And Lord, may you take the utterances of a man and may your spirit speak to us, each one of us, where we need to hear. Use this time for your glory, we ask. Amen. We continue in our studies in the book of Revelation and I want you just to um, just go back to Revelation chapter 1 in your Bibles. We're not preaching through the whole of this, by the way. But just page through so we can just recap a little bit where we've been and where we're going. Remember, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ to man. This is his letter to the church and to the church universal, that is all those who will come to be saved by him throughout history. He greets the seven churches who are the examples in the New Testament there of churches who were struggling for their faith. And the book of Revelation is meant to be an encouragement to them and so they mention there with, with their strengths and their weaknesses. And then we come to these three cycles of judgment but before we come to the cycles of judgment, we, we start off in chapter 4 in the throne of heaven, in the throne room of heaven, and it's the big framework that's put around everything in the book of Revelation is who is in control? It's God, seated on his throne, the glorified Christ. And this is his revelation to us. And so that's the perspective around everything. And then we come to the, the, the Lamb who opens the the scrolls, the scroll of God's history of mankind. And as he opens the scrolls, the seals are unleashed or opened up and those are the first of the judgment God's will, God will bring against mankind who will not listen. And so we work through those seven seals and the second cycle, uh, we come to the seven trumpets and just another perspective on the same history of earth and God's dealings with mankind and and as we come to the end of these cycles, we end up with the judgment. So we've been there once, and in the chapter we're going to come to today, we land up again at the judgment. The description of God's dealings with mankind leading up to the judgment. And then when we step away from the seven trumpets, we are going to start again next week with the perspective of who is in control. And then another cycle of judgments, the bowls that are poured out. Again, judgments of God leading up to the judgment, the day of judgment. Alright, so that's very shortly a summary of where we've been or where we're going, just to remind us of where we're tracking through. But every time we come to these judgments, they describe to us God's dealing with 
mankind from various angles. And so we get various pictures put before us. And, and we've learnt in Revelation that the picture is what we need to be looking at. The, the wider picture that's being described so that our souls can be uh, impacted by this picture described so that we can get the truth coming through them. We ended up uh, at the end of um, the cycle of seals with that throne room scene in heaven where the angel stands in front of the altar, the golden incense, the altar of golden incense. And that is where the prayers of God uh, are raised up to God and where God answers from. And we see in, um, I think it was chapter 8, if I remember correctly, chapter 8, verses 3 to 5, we see there the picture of that angel standing before the, the altar of incense and he pours out fire to the earth. And that's a shortened description of the day of judgment. Now we step forward to the seven trumpets and we are again at that moment when the angel pours out fire on earth. But this time we've got more detail. And every time we come to this judgment scene, this day of judgment, there's even more detail. So when we get to the bowls, and we're going to get to chapter 19, we're going to have a lot more detail about the Day of Judgment. So keep that picture in your mind. Three cycles of judgments every time we land up at the Day of Judgment, and some detail is given to us of that, but expanding every time we get there. And so today we're at this scene of judgment. We need to remind ourselves who is in control again. And I love this as we get to this, this section and let's read through it now. Revelation chapter 14 and we're going to be reading from verse 14 to 20. And then we're going to go to the Old Testament where this is repeated as well. Revelation chapter 14 verses 14 to 20. Then I looked and behold a white cloud and seated on the cloud one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, the angel who has authority over the fire. And he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, Put in your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth, and gathered the grape harvest of the earth, and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress as high as a horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. Not a pretty picture today. Where does this come from? Turn to the book of Joel. Not a book we often get to. So it's in the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets. Joel chapter 3. just uh, before the book of Amos and just after the book of Hosea, if that helps you at all. Joel, chapter 3, 
and verses 12 to 16. This is where this vision comes from. Joel chapter 3 verse 12. Let the nations stir themselves up and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Go in, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their evil is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon are darkened and the stars withdraw their shining. We've come across those in Revelation. The Lord roars from Zion and utters His voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth quake. But the Lord is a refuge to His people and a stronghold to the people of Israel. Now, turn with me to the book of Matthew for a bit more perspective. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 and verses 29 to 31. Matthew 24 verse 29 to 31. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And He will send out His angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather His elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Isn't it beautiful how Scripture ties in? All of it. Old Testament, New Testament. So who is in control? We see in verse 14 of, of this chapter, one like the Son of Man. And when we see that in the, Old, in the New Testament, when we see that in the book of Revelation, who is that referring to? It's referring to Jesus Christ, the glorified Son of God. And here we have this picture of Jesus glorified on His throne, on this white cloud reflecting His holiness and His judgment. And there He is in heaven and He's got this golden crown on His head. What does that signify? It's no longer a crown of thorns to do with his suffering, but now he's wearing a golden crown. A crown of authority. The victor's crown. And as he comes out in victory, he comes out as a triumphant conqueror to prevail over his enemies. This is the picture of judgment we get here. The triumphant Son of Man coming out from the heaven, sickle in hand, and he is coming out as a victor over his enemies. The hour has come. Do you see that picture? He's got his sickle in his hand. It's the instrument of swift and devastating judgment. The Son of Man came to earth as the gospel sower. 
Matthew chapter 13 describes that. But he will return to earth as the just reaper. And the same New Testament speaks about that. Don't read the books of Matthew and Mark. He is the Lord of the harvest. He sows, He reaps. And this description we get here is a general harvest of all people. There's no one that's going to escape this harvest. Good and evil. All will be harvested by the Lord. And yet, as we look at this passage, and there are some who say it's it's the same harvesting of evil and judgment and it's just repeated twice, but I don't think so as we, as we look at this passage and as others describe this as well. We see here a harvest of the godly and a harvest of those who are evil. And so we're going to look at that in this chapter. John the Baptist warned about this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. And he said, He who comes is going to come with his winnowing fork and he is going to reap the harvest. He warned in the New Testament and here is the passage speaking about it. So let's look at Christ harvesting, the Lord of the harvest. And we find that in verses 15 to 16 of this chapter. Another angel came out of the temple calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So here we have an angel coming out of the temple. What's the significance of that? Yes, speak to me. What is the significance of the angel coming out of the temple? He's coming out of the presence of the living God. What are angels? They are messengers from God. And this angel is coming with a public message from Almighty God. It is time to reap. He's not commanding Christ, as some have said. And so they say this can't be a picture of Christ. They haven't read the passage. He's coming as a messenger directly from the presence of God, saying to the Son of God, The time has come. It is time to reap. Put in your sickle. The hour to harvest is come. The grain is ripe. He comes from the very presence of God with this command. And this ties up with the rest of Scripture, doesn't it? Scripture describes, you you can turn with me if you would, to Matthew chapter 13. We have there a description in the New Testament of this phrase, put in your sickle and reap. Christ and his angels will reap, says the New Testament. Matthew chapter 13, verses 37 to 43. I'm going to read this interpretation of a parable Jesus told about the great parable of the weeds. This is the interpretation of it. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed is the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. Now it can't be much clearer than that, right? The harvest is the close of the age and the reapers are angels. I love it when scripture ties up locks. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. 
He who has ears, let him hear. So what is being described here to us in Revelation? God sending out His angels. And yes, it's the angels doing the reaping, but the Son is there doing it as well. He is the one who is the reaper. And so, New Testament ties this up, these words. Put in your sickle and reap. And if any of you have done any reaping with a sickle, you know, you grab the grain and then you put that sickle in and it takes energy. You can't just go dawdling through it. It takes a big chop and pull and then it's garnered in. Put in your sickle and reap. The time has come. Those words that the angel says, the, it is the hour, the hour to reap has come. Where does this command to reap come from? The Father in heaven, to the Son. Alright, didn't Jesus teach? Matthew chapter 24 verse 36. But as for that hour or day, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And so here comes the, the command from the Father to His Son. The hour has come. It is the hour that I have determined now my son reap. You see, it's all tying up for us. And then the third statement there. The harvest is ready for, for reaping. The earth is ripe. You see, this, it's the sovereign God who knows the state of the harvest. Mark chapter 4 verse 29 refers to that. It is God who knows when the grain is ripe to reap. And so He determines when it happens. And that it's a good thing here. The corn is ready for harvest. We're going to take it in and it's going to be an abundant crop. It's a good picture here. You see, the Lord intervenes at exactly the right time in the history of humanity and the earth will be reaped. It's an encouragement for the saints. Things won't just continue and continue and continue. Persecution won't just continue and continue and continue. There will come a time when the Lord will say, Enough! The time has come. Reap in those who are to come into me. They are my harvest. It's a time of encouragement for us as believers. And it was meant to be in a time of encouragement to these believers as they heard this word from the Lord. And so what happens? Christ reaps the earth. That's a definitive statement. Our scriptures say there, He swung His sickle and He reaped the earth. It's a definite and a definitive time coming up in the calendar of eternity. Things won't just continue as they are. There will come a time when there will be a reaping of the earth. Be warned. A time will come. He reaps the rewards of His sowing. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 27. This is such an encouraging passage when it comes to this reaping that will happen. Isaiah chapter 27 Verses 12 to 13. We're going to be all over Scripture today, so you need to track with me. Isaiah chapter 27, verses 12 to 13. We did this with our men's group a little while ago. And what encouragement in the Lord. Isaiah 27:12. In that day from the river Euphrates to the brook of Egypt, the Lord will thresh out the grain. So that's the separation that the Lord's going to do, right? He'll thresh out the grain. Now look at this. And you will be gleaned one by one. Gleaning was keeping the grain. The precious grain. The Lord is speaking to His people here. I will do a threshing among you, but I will be, there will be a gleaning of you one by one. 
I love this. One by one, the Lord will save those who are to be saved. This is in the Old Testament. Look at it. It's in the middle of your Bible. I will glean you one by one, O people of Israel. And in that day, a great trumpet will be blown, and those who were lost in the land of Assyria, and those who were driven out of the land of Egypt, persecution, will come and worship the Lord on the holy mountain at Jerusalem. Isn't that beautiful? Take hope, the Lord's people. You will be gleaned one by one. You will not be left behind. He will save you. And so we look to the harvest of judgment. We've had the beautiful picture. Now it changes completely. And this is a picture of terror. A picture of terror. And I plead with you today, if you do not yet believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then may your ears be opened today. Hear what God's Word says to you. Listen to His Word. I can't put it any clearer. Verses 17 to 19 in the book of Revelation. And then another angel came out of the temple in heaven and he too had a sharp sickle because the Lord is harvesting through his angels. And another angel came out of the altar. That's the third angel now. The angel who has authority over the fire. That's in front of the temple, in the front of the altar of, of incense. And with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, you need to keep with it now, that's the second angel. He said, put in your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. So here we have another two angels appearing in this picture. See the picture, remember. Don't get drawn into the little details. See the picture. And this angel also comes from the temple with the authority of God with a very sharp sickle in his hand, a vine cutting knife, if you will. And so what's he coming to do? He's coming to bring judgment. It's a clear picture. And another angel comes from the altar, from with the one with the power of fire, and he comes from the golden altar of incense. Revelation chapter 8, verse 3 to 5, at the end of the last cycle. And he comes from where the prayers of God's people for justice and for God's kingdom to come are raised before the throne of God. And he comes now to answer those prayers. Do you see the picture? The prayers of the saints are now going to be answered. God's justice will now be done. His kingdom has come. And so this appeal goes out to the second angel. Put in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth which are ready for harvest. They are ripe. Note there, it's the vine of the earth. Don't get confused with the other picture we have of those of us who are in Christ are in the vine. John chapter 15. That's a very different picture. This is the vine of the earth. This is the vine of the grapes that are going to suffer the wrath of God because they haven't listened to God and haven't responded to His appeal to come to them. This is the harvest we're speaking about here. Don't get confused with the other one. 
He says here, the grapes are ripe. They are ready for harvest. They are ready for judgment. Judgment has come. Verse 20. Now see this terrible picture. What happens to these grapes that are gathered? And if anyone knows, if you've done any work in your youth on the grapevines, they don't quite do it like this anymore. Sometimes as they do. They gather all the, the grapes together. They chuck it in this very unhygienic thing, a big vat, and then these students get in their skirts hitched up and whatever they got on, and bare feet, and they trample the grapes. Now in the Old Testament they used to do that. It's the only way they had. These days they've got mechanisation. But they say the best wine is produced when it's trampled with bare feet. I'm not going there. But it's a horrendous picture because see, see all the juice coming out of there. See the blood of the people that are being trampled under the wrath of God. That's the picture we are supposed to see. And where is this all being done? It is outside the city. It is outside the city, the places it is unclean. It's in that place where bodies are thrown on the city rubbish dump for dogs to devour and for the birds of the air to come and consume. It's a place which is unclean ceremonially. Isaiah chapter 63 verse 1 to 6 describes this place. A place that is horrific. A place where the judgment of the Lord takes place outside the holy city where the Lord will judge those who have been unfaithful to Him. And who does the treading of the grapes? It's not students. It's the Lord of the harvest. Revelation chapter 19, where we get even more details of the day of judgment, we see it's the one who comes on the white horse, who is victorious over his enemies. He is the one who tramples the grapes of the wrath of God. Christ is the one who is the judge. He always said He would be the judge. In all the prophecies He brings, He is the one who will judge people for their disobedience. Take note. It is under the control of Jesus Christ, the one who is completely holy, but the one who is completely just, the one who must deal with sin and deal with it completely, 100%. It's a terrible picture. And this blood of those who are being trampled rises up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 stadia. Now in our language it's about 200 miles. But there's something about the 1,600 stadia of the Bible. You see the symbolic language here. The number four was was the number in the Old Testament for the universe. The whole universe. Number four. And the number ten was the number for completeness. And so we have four by four, the whole of the universe, times ten by ten, in all its completeness, will be judged. And the blood of that judgment will rise to the height of the horse's bridles. That's war talk. That's war language. That's judgment talk. It's judgment terminology. This is the God who is in charge of this judgment speaking. We, as human beings, must take note. And all I must do as a messenger of the Gospel today is to stress where Scripture is stressing. 
And today it stresses his judgment and also his mercy. God will bring his complete judgment completely on the earth. This sounds shocking to you? It should be. I'm aware you're all, I'm sure you're all aware of what's been happening in the news lately. Um, we've got the upcoming meeting happening between the United States, Donald Trump and Korea, Kim Jong-un. And the whole world is concerned about this because there's been this whole concern about nuclear disaster and weapons of mass destruction. And this last week I was watching some programs about some of these weapons that human beings have invented that many of these nations use that are there and they can kill hundreds and thousands at a time. And we're so concerned about these weapons of mass destruction. And on the news the media can just talk about this meeting between these two leaders and the possibilities of being saved from weapons of mass destruction. And yet on the same news, there's no news of how can we be saved from eternal destruction to every single person on this earth. Talk about mass destruction. That hasn't looked to the Lord as Saviour. Why is that not on the news? You see, Satan has brought in distraction. He takes away from the real danger and he focuses on the smaller things. Yes, they're dangerous. But that's all we're worried about as human beings. And yet, this passage we look at this morning, the Lord speaks about a universal destruction that will happen to any who will not put their faith in Him. How come that's not on the headlines? This picture is supposed to be shocking. But people don't read His Word as we saw in the media recently. They're not bothered to read His Word. And so they don't know about this. And so it's our turn and it's our responsibility as believers to take out the message of not just the love and not just the destruction that's due to men but also the love that is available to them. It's an overwhelming love of Jesus Christ which can save them from the judgment of God. And we have the message to take out because the media won't do it. We are the Lord's media. We are His radio broadcasts. We are His television broadcasts as people look at our lives. We are to open our mouths and speak about this message. Are we doing it? What do we do with this passage? Well, there's hope and there's warning to us. And so we have the so what's of this passage. And I want to take us back to the book of Joel. Turn to your book in Joel, Joel chapter 3. Let's have a look because there's beautiful hope here but there's also the warning that comes to all of us from God's Word. And so firstly I want to speak about the harvest of judgment. And here's a word to unbelievers. If you are sitting here this morning and you have not yet put your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, I appeal to you as a human being, listen to the warning from God's Word. Take heed. Look at Joel chapter 3 verse 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Doesn't that describe the world around us? 
Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. We're all in the valley of decision. It's a decision to either follow Jesus Christ or not follow Jesus Christ. There's more to that, by the way. We're not going there now. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Never has more truth been spoken. Every single person in this universe has to come to that place where they either decide to follow Jesus Christ or to turn their backs and reject Him. And yes, there are those who are saved, and we know that. Election. And there are those God has chosen whom He will save. We leave that to God. He knows. But humanly, all we know is we need to decide to follow Jesus Christ or not. I can turn my back or bow the knee. We are all in this place, the valley of decision. And so you too, if you're an unbeliever, if you haven't yet made that decision to follow Jesus Christ, you have made a decision to follow Satan and to accept the responsibility of that judgment coming down on you. That is a decision. There is no, no decision. You decide to follow Jesus Christ or follow Satan. And so I appeal to you from the same book of Joel, come to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. I'll show you where I get that from. Same book. Just look, glance back to chapter 2, verse 32. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you do not yet know the Lord Jesus Christ, I appeal to you today. Here it says, call on the name of the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. He has promised that. Who is He? He is the sovereign God of the universe. He has all power in His hands. He can save you. He can bring you from darkness to light. But He needs you to bow the knee to Him. He will not save someone who stands with their backs to Him and does not even want to acknowledge His name. He will only save you if you bow your knee to Him and say, Lord, You are the Lord. I am a mere human being. I need You to save me. I can't do it. Will you be saved by Jesus Christ? His offer stands before you. Don't you stand on that day and say, Lord, I never knew. I never had an opportunity. You see, you're going through life and as you go through life, there are moments that will come in your life when you will be warned. And every time you hear that warning, it's a decision. Do I listen to this warning or don't I listen? I want to read you a little extract from a guy called Joel Beek. And this is what he says in a little pamphlet and I've got them at the back there if you want any of them. It's called An Appointment You Will Keep. Just bear with me and listen to this. He says, as you're travelling the broad road to eternal destruction, sorry, are you travelling the broad road to eternal destruction? or the narrow road to eternal life. In this world there are many different roads, but in the spiritual world there are only two, and these two never intersect. They are as opposite from one another as darkness from light, Satan from God, nature from grace, and hell from heaven. Only God 
in his free grace can take us off the broad road to destruction and place us on that narrow road to everlasting life. You can't do that. Only Jesus can put you on that right road. He carries on, he says this. In the 27 books of the New Testament, hell is mentioned 234 times. If life's road were 27 miles long and there were 234 billboards along this road which all read, this road leads to hell, would you stay on that road? As long as you are an unrepenting, unbelieving, Christless, self-satisfied sinner, you are on this road to hell. Hell is the end of a worldly or religious life which remains Christless. It can't get clearer. This short message is still another billboard sent by God to you on your pathway of life to warn you that all the ways of man end in death. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near, says Isaiah. How many more billboards will the Lord send your way before His patience comes to an end and He fulfills His own word? It is appointed once for men to die, but after this, the judgment. How many more billboards How many more warning signs need to come across your way before you will turn to Jesus Christ? As a human being, I can't say to you. God's Word must do its work now. To those of you who are believers, there's a word of hope for us in this very same book of Joel. I love it. So here's the harvest of salvation. And it says to you and I as believers this morning, take hope and take comfort. Joel chapter 3 verse 16. Listen to what he says. The Lord roars from Zion and utters His voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth quake. So in that day when judgment takes place, it's going to be massive. But the Lord is a refuge to His people and a stronghold to the people of Israel. Are you in the Lord today? Then you are held in His hands the hand of Almighty God, and in that day when you experience the God judging humanity, He will save you. Judgment will not affect you because you stand there covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, the one who has already died for your sins, the one who no longer wears the crown of thorns, the one who wears the golden crown of authority and hope. You stand in Him. He will save you. He will not drop you. He will gather up every single grain that belongs to Him, says the book of Isaiah. Take hope. And when life comes against you and persecution comes against you and the hard times of life comes against you and you have got no job and you're wondering, where is God when I keep praying for Him? But I will carry on following Jesus. Persevere in the Lord. The Lord knows about your circumstances. He will bring you through. And if you should die in that process, He is still there for you. The moment you open your eyes, we've said so many times, you will open them from death and see Jesus Christ. No one else will be there. Jesus Christ will be there. And He will take that grain and put you in His heaven and say, welcome into my home, you faithful servant. 
He will do it. He is God, the Sovereign One. Take hope. Take hope. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You've given us Your Word with these messages of warning, but also messages of hope to us as we walk along life's journey. And Lord, I just pray for any here that still do not know Jesus Christ. Lord, I plead with You through Your Spirit. Would You do a work among them? Would You reach their hearts so that today would not be another day where they turn their backs on the warning that You have given this morning? May they turn to Jesus Christ and be saved as they utter the name of Jesus Christ and bow the knee. Would You save them from death and give them new life, I pray. And Lord, I pray for all of us here who are believers in You, all those who have been saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, as we sang about earlier. Lord, thank You for that hope to be found in You. And Lord, thank You for this knowledge from Your Word that one day when You swing that sharp sickle of Yours, You will gather in Your harvest. But it will be a harvest of bounty. It will be a harvest rich for the picking. And You will gather all those who are precious to You and you will gather them close to you, and you will protect us from your judgment because of your Son. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for that great work of salvation you did for us on that cross. Were it not for you, we would have to endure the trampling of the wrath of God done by the Son of God. And that would be a wrath we could not endure, and it would carry on forever and ever. Thank you for your grace and your love shown to us on the cross. We praise you. Lord, as we go into this week with this message in our ears, would we take out the message of gospel grace, but of God's holy judgment to a world that needs to hear it when they are concerned about everything else except what is coming their way and is coming their way at any day. Help us to be the faithful media of Jesus Christ, broadcasting with loud, urgent but loving voices to those around us, we pray. Use us for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ and for your kingdom. Amen.